we need to figure out, hey, what am I pre-qualified to spend on college? What's my spending range? Which zip code of schools should we be shopping in? And now let's talk about the appropriate place that the whole financial aid system plays. Am I going to be eligible for work study, for Pell Grants, for unsubsidized student loans? What role should that play in the overall strategy? Because those are all things that are beneficial. What role does filling out the government mandated forms have in securing merit-based aid that go along with the resume of my student? Those are the important ways to think about it, but it's only one piece of the recipe. And I think so often we've just been trained to think, oh my gosh, it's all predicated on how I fill out these forms. It's really not. It's a piece of the puzzle, but it shouldn't be driving the bus. Are you anxious about filing for federal student aid to help pay for your teen's college? If you have a senior, the process has been delayed by months this year. Beth Walker is the author of Never Pay Retail for College, and she's a registered investment advisor helping families slay the college cost dragon. She has advice for our families with seniors in the class of 2024 on what they should do now, right now, January 2024, when this is going live. And for those with younger students, don't tune out, stay with us. She's going to discuss how to avoid the pitfalls of letting the FAFSA lead your college decisions. I'm Lisa Marker Robbins, and I want to welcome you to College and Career Clarity, a Flourish Coaching Production. Let's dive right in to a great conversation. Beth Walker, welcome back. I literally have lost count. I think in my head, this is your fourth episode. I think it may be. And I'm really delighted to be back. So thank you. Well, you are, besides being such a good friend, you are already like known by our listeners and have been known by me for years as just one of the authorities on all things with paying for college. And so that's why I keep having you back on because you're no nonsense. You and I have, I think, great strategies that fit well together in solving different problems of this college-bound equation. And my friend, you know, back in September, when we were talking on episode number 85, Upcoming changes to the federal financial aid forms with Beth Walker. We were, we got in there. We talked about what was changing. We knew things were changing. They had already told us it's not going to be available on October 1st. And it's going to, hey, sometime in December, this is going to drop. And yeah, they're going to just come in under the wire. You and I are recording this heading into Christmas weekend. We're going to drop it January 2nd. So we don't 100% know what's going on January 2nd. So instead of talking about the changes to the form and how it affects aid, let's talk about the application or just getting into the application. And I think you have told me many of your families that you're working with feel like the tail's wagging the dog. And so what do you mean by that? Well, the tail's wagging the dog in that parents and their students have so much anxiety about, I've got to hurry up and get my financial aid forms done. And this year is so unusual because of the deadline. 
Uh, the deadline was imposed actually by legislation. And what so, is that legislation? What does it say? It's the Higher Education Act that governs the FAFSA legislation. When they went and made the revisions that we talked about in September, it said this will open in December. And in classic government inefficiency, we expect that it's going to open for about two hours on December 31st and then come down and then reopen on the 2nd of January so that they can meet their legal obligation to have opened in December. Now, the reason this is so complicated is because it's been difficult for all the rules to be programmed into the new formula. And literally every year when they deliver the new formula or the new version of it in October, we've already told our clients, don't be first in line to file because this is new software. There are inevitably things that are not working and functioning properly. And so for the first seven to 10 days that it's available, they're still working out the kinks. And that those normal routine annual releases where it takes seven to 10 days to work out the kinks pale in comparison to what's going to happen with this version. Okay. So, because you know me, finance is not my ballywick. So I might be a little closer to this than some of our, many of our listeners, but I'm far enough away from it. I, I want to ask a couple of questions. So what we, this is going to go live this episode on January 2nd, we bumped some other episodes because we thought it was that important because of the timing. So we are recording on December 22nd, 2023. We expect mm -hmm. that it will go up live for two hours on the 31st, it will come down. They'll work on it on January 1st, some more. This is hilarious to me because we've known for years that this change was coming. Years, people. You as parents probably didn't know it because you weren't in the college bound journey far enough yet. And then they're going to, we expect, so when this goes live, parents, you might go over to studentaid.gov and it may or may not be live. They're telling us, yes, it should be. They are telling us that. Now, again, because your listener base is more informed, I would just caution them to wait at least 10 to 15 days to get into the month of January before they even try to take this on. Now, what today, could they encounter if they don't? I mean, that's what, so it's like, because I've already had students in our college major career course, Launch Career Clarity, reaching out when we have our monthly live Q&A or I'm getting some emails from our clients and they're like, uh, you know, colleges are wanting our stuff and I know you and I have always said, I, when it goes live October 1st, we always say, don't do anything for seven to 10 days. That's in years with minor changes. Right. Years with major changes, wait two weeks. But we always say, get it done by the end of the month. So if we applied that same timing to this, it would be, don't do anything from January 2nd to January 15th, and then get it done by February. And so Except, what could go wrong if they do it on January 5th? Well, the fact of the matter is it just may not function, meaning <laughs> data fields that you enter data in might not take 
things that you believe are connected, like perhaps you're going to sign off and say, yes, you have my permission to coordinate with the IRS so that I don't have to enter the tax data. You're just going to retrieve that from what we've already filed with the IRS. It's just, it's a buggy, it's new software. And so we just want to be cautious of the fact that number one, it's a new release of FAFSA, which happens every year. But number two, it's the first release of this FAFSA with these formulas. As a perfect example, they already know that it's flawed. There was a mistake that was made in the inflation index that's part of the income protection portion of the calculation. And the Department of Education has already admitted, yeah, we blew it, but we don't have the time or the resources to get it fixed. So most families are going to get a little bit less aid eligibility than they will in subsequent years because there's a flaw in the formula. It's a known problem. They've already said, we're not going to fix it. It's not something that you can go back to the colleges and appeal for because a flawed formula does not represent special circumstances that are up for appeal. So the thing that's really different this year is the fact that the colleges are much more aligned with the families in that they're scrambling with this last minute deadline too. And so, you know, you may be applying to a college that's telling you, hey, my hard deadline for financial aid is January 10th or January 12th. I would encourage families and students to reach out to those schools and really ask them, is this truly a hard deadline? Or will there be some grace? Are you going to penalize me if I don't have it done on your mandated deadline? Are you going to give anybody a grace period? Because if they are, it's worth the wait. If they're not, then you do it. But you just have to understand it might not be as easy as if you had waited a couple of weeks. Yeah. I, you know what? I want to say to our listeners, because that might feel scary what you just said. First of all, money's involved. So yes. we all get lots of emotions going um, when we've got the money part of this involved. But deadlines are involved in it's their kids' future, right? So That's right. so many feelings about this. You know, I had Dr. Abigail Sussman from the University of Chicago um, Booth School of Business on back in, I think, August of 21. And she studies the intersection of finance and psychology and economics. And she would call this a hot state. So emotions are running high because we're right up against a deadline. And what you just said to us was, well, ask if that deadline's got any wiggle room. And I want to assure the parents that, you know, if your student applied to a January 1st school deadline for early action, let's say last fall, and they got everything in on time, what most families don't know is the student pieces, yes, they, they want everything by November 1st at 11.59 p.m. in your time zone, but they do have leeway of like counselor recs getting in and ACT scores making their way over. And so they're often, Beth's not telling you to ask something that never happens in college admissions. There's often wiggle room. You guys just our listeners don't always know it because, and take that away, apply it to all of the things as it relates to the deadlines. Ask your questions. Beth and I always preach, be good consumers. This is another way you can be a good consumer is to ask the questions because that might be a soft deadline and not a hard deadline. Exactly. 
Now you asked the question, the tail wagging the dog. I want to give you a perfect example of that. I got, um, I spoke with a family about two weeks ago and they had been to like a college planning night and then they had talked to some other people and they were frantically trying to get organized to make some money moves here at the end of the year in order to optimize their FAFSA. But as we kind of unpacked their situation, the fact of the matter is we could have bent ourselves into a pretzel and gone through all these things to try to move things around on their balance sheet only to discover it really wasn't going to make a difference. And I think we've given over the planning power to this government formula as mm. if the outcome of that formula should dictate how you're going to handle paying for college under your own roof. And it's backwards. We should be thinking about what's my strategy and game plan? How am I going to create the cash flow for college, all kids, all years? And then figure out where the financial aid part of this fits in. So we can't let the government formula dictate how we're going to spend money. That's kind of like saying, I'm putting them in charge of telling me what house I'm going to buy or what car I'm going to drive. No, 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 no. We need to figure out, hey, what am I pre-qualified to spend on college? What's my spending range? Which zip code of schools should we be shopping in? And now let's talk about the appropriate place that the whole financial aid system plays. Am I going to be eligible for work study, for Pell Grants, for unsubsidized student loans? What role should that play in the overall strategy? Because those are all things that are beneficial. What role does filling out the government mandated forms have in securing merit-based aid that go along with the resume of my student? Those are the important ways to think about it, but it's only one piece of the recipe. And I think so often we've just been trained to think, oh my gosh, it's all predicated on how I fill out these forms. It's really not. It's a piece of the puzzle, but it shouldn't be driving the bus. Well, yeah. It's, you know, I sit here and I, as I hear from people who are panicking over this, I go, I understand the emotions. Again, we're in a hot state with this. We're up against yes. deadlines. We're entering second semester of senior year. But I've said over and over, if you created the college list proactively and with great thought and being a wise consumer, I don't think the people who've done it that way are panicking right now over thinking about when they're going to fill out the FAFSA when they're going to hear about their aid, because it's, it's not dependent on that. That's exactly right. And, and, you know, human psychology, we crave certainty. And the college project plan is fraught with uncertainty. I mean, we're applying to anywhere from five to 12 schools. We don't know who's going to say yes or no. We're not sure exactly how much it's going to cost. If we haven't done the work before, we don't know how we're going to pay for it. So, I mean, this is just, this is uncertainty on steroids. And we just need to take a breath. Now, for those of 
your listeners, if they're listening to this on January 2nd or later, you know, we can make some lemonade out of the lemons on the student that's going through this right now. But it should really help you understand if they've got younger siblings, there's a much more proactive way to approach it for the younger siblings so that you're not stressed out and wondering, gosh, what should I be doing right before the deadline? Nobody wants to be in that place and we don't have to be. Yeah, I, you know, and that's, I was actually just getting ready to say like, if you have a senior and it's after January 2nd, like, what do we do? And if you've got younger students, cause we've got kids, listeners who they don't even have a senior and they might, if they've gotten this far and they've stuck with us, they're going, whew, glad that's not us. And here, uh, and if you have one of those seniors, you're like, oh gosh, I should have done it differently, which, you know, that first kids always are guinea pig, right? Absolutely. And, so, <laughs> and we pay for their counseling later. Um, <laughs> I mean, what are we going to do? We're human, right? But there is a better way to go about it. You know, one of the resources we have that I've shared with you is we have a tutorial around building college lists where literally it's just I give them a 10 minute video. I give them a worksheet to fill out as a family, as a family. Everybody hear me. That's parent and students together. And it gives you conversation cues to guide a healthy discussion so that maybe emotions don't get too high. And gosh, if you do that in sophomore year or early junior year before you're applying to college, emotions aren't nearly as high. Uh, they can find that at flourishcoachingco.com forward slash list. But yeah, that's just one tool that we have. So what, any other specific advice for people who have younger kids? Absolutely. The key to all of this is thinking about buying college like you buy a house. I mean, if I if I Google or I chat GPT how to buy a house, I'm going to get like a seven to 10 point checklist. And it starts with understand what you can afford. If I, if I Google or chat GPT how to buy college, literally nothing comes up. Because in our culture, we don't view it as a major capital purchase, but that's exactly what it is. So if you think about what you do when you're going to buy a house, you're really clear on your must-haves, and you also have a list of nice-haves. Must-haves would be, what am I going to major in? Must-haves should be, what am I pre-qualified to purchase? It's interesting that in our consumer culture, we've literally outsourced the qualification process for making big purchases like cars and homes. It's a root canal. Yeah, I got to give that lender all this financial information, but they're very good at crunching the numbers and coming back to you with a ceiling for spending. Why? Because they have a vested interest. They want to make sure you can pay them back. Colleges don't operate that way, but they should. We should have a spending ceiling because once I'm pre-qualified and I know this is as much money as I can spend, now I can go shop in the college zip codes that are affordable for me. I mean, I can get that four bedroom, three bathroom, two car garage, corner lot. It may not be in the neighborhood I was originally looking in, but I'm still going to get a really nice house that's going to function well for me. And I'm not going to go broke in the process because I know what those parameters are. So I think 
establishing those guardrails before the oldest kid goes off to school is the greatest gift any family can have. You know, it makes me think of just when you qualify for a mortgage, let's say to purchase a home and we're, I'm not going to say we're in unprecedented times because my father also an entrepreneur was a home builder in the seventies and eighties, much higher interest rates than right now, even though this feels painful. Right. But in my adult years, I think I bought my first home in 92 when I've gone to purchase a home, you you get pre-qualified, you know how much you're approved to take out on that mortgage. And I, and most people don't max out what they're approved to do. This is one thing that I think is fascinating that's psychologically really different. Um, cars maybe are a little different because it's a, it's a smaller purchase, but I've never, for a car, or a home bought what I was approved. But we but I've also known people who have on the home and then have empty rooms in their house that they couldn't fill with furniture. Mm-hmm. And so they were house poor. And I mean the reality is there's a lot of people that are making themselves college poor. Mm-hmm. Because and they'll do that with their oldest child. And, and then they have to look the younger kids in the eye and be like, yeah, well, I get a lot of clients that come to me after the oldest is in college. And what they've realized is, you know what? We can't keep doing it this way. Yeah. We're going to have to have a different solution. And so it, it's really just having a paradigm shift. And, and you've hit on this a couple of times today. This is the most emotional purchase I think any family will ever make. What parent doesn't want for their kid to have the greatest start in life and believe that college could be that kind of springboard? But it's also such a wonderful opportunity to teach them how to be make financially responsible decisions. I mean, yes. we didn't drop them off at the car lot when they were 16 and tell the car salesman, hey, let them pick out whatever they want. No, but that's in effect what we're doing with college. And then we think that all of that rests on filing these financial aid forms and nothing could be further from the truth. Absolutely. So families do not let the tail wag the dog. Rethink how you're doing this. If you have a senior who's graduating in 2024, don't fill out the FAFSA on January 2nd or 3rd or 4th or 5th. If at all possible, wait till the 15th. If a college tells you that their deadline is earlier than the 15th, contact them. Is that a hard deadline or a soft deadline? And wait as long as you can and then get your forms in on time as always. But be wise consumers. Thanks, Beth. Thank you. Fantastic advice from Beth once again. Okay, your college-bound homework this week depends on the age of your teen. If you have a senior, check with the colleges on the hard deadline for filing for financial aid. If you have a younger student, join our college list-building tutorial at flourishcoachingco.com forward slash list so you aren't left feeling like the tail is wagging the dog when senior year emotions are running high. 
We have a lot of great topics in store for 2024, so be sure to follow the podcast and why don't you share with a friend who could benefit as well? They'll thank you later. Now, I want to thank you for listening to College and Career Clarity, where I help your family move from overwhelmed and confused to motivated, clear, and confident about your teen's future. Music.